All right, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. On today's show, I am joined on the couch by the first lady of the Couch Rotato Podcast, Jen, as her and I talk all things succession. This was originally just going to be an episode where we talked about our five favorite characters from the show, but we decided to take a detour into Spoilerville, and we liked it so much that we kind of spoiled some stuff for you guys and gals. So... I will advise each one of you to not listen to the show if you have not seen Succession yet, or if you just don't want it spoiled for you. You can catch the full run of the show currently on Max, but we just love Spoilerville so much we decided to go to Spoilerville, make a U-turn, and come on back for some more. So uh, this episode is filled with spoilers, so proceed at your own risk. But needless to say... I think this turned out to be a very awesome episode with the first lady. Had a lot of fun. So after the guitar riff, we bring to you the five best characters from Succession. And on today's show, I welcome Jen back to the couch. Jen, how are you this evening? I'm doing pretty well, Russ. How are you tonight? I'm good. I mean, we can just cut out the friendly chit-chat since we kind of live together. I know how you're doing. You know how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) We'll go with all right. All right. Well, I wanted to bring you on the show because you and I just finished, I think it's still too early to tell. But I am on record as saying that I think this is probably one of the best shows that HBO has done. And I am talking about Succession. Uh, We kind of motored through four seasons in, what, three weeks maybe? It was definitely between three weeks and a month. It was fast. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I know I have my reasons why I wanted to check it out, but what... What was the appeal to you? Because it doesn't really seem like that was a show that was in your wheelhouse. Well, I mean, you had mentioned it to me and you had mentioned what it was about. And honestly, when I first heard about it, it's not something about a corporation and how a f- involving the family and how they run the corporation, who's going to going to take it over, et cetera. Is it really something that normally would be in my wheelhouse? But when you explained it, I was curious about it. And I have to be honest and admit that the first couple episodes, I was kind of like, nah, I don't know if this is really going to be for me. But then I would say around episode four or five, it just kind of draws you in and you just really can't turn back from that point. Yeah, I think it's it it took them probably four, five, six episodes to for everybody involved to kind of figure out the characters and what direction they're going to take with them, like kind of capture their essence. But uh, I mean, I know for me, the part of the appeal is... Uh, most of the time when you see rich people, you automatically assume that rich people are usually pretty happy because, I mean, what do they have to be upset and depressed about? I mean, they've got all the money in the world. They have, you know, power. So why be sad or dysfunctional or why is all this, this internal drama going on? And I was kind of curious about that, just kind of watching, I don't know, it sounds kind of me, but see rich people suffer a little bit. And I mean, I think once we got into it too, I think what kept me in was 
you have a sibling and I am, I have a sibling as well. And I think whether you admit it or not, it's you have points in your life where you're always trying to compete for affection with your sibling, you know, competing for affection from your parents. So that kind of, you know, sucked me in and kept me involved. Plus the, the writing, the direction, the performances are absolutely fantastic. I would definitely agree with that. I think that it definitely gives some insight to how money seems like it's everything, but it really isn't. And I feel like in this show, there's just so many moving pieces all the time. There's so much red tape. There's so much politics. There's so much just competing with one another for family members. Honestly, it just sounds very tiring. I mean, that's what I got a lot from getting, I guess, like a, a personal inch. Huh? Getting into the weeds. Yeah. Getting like that personal insight into, you know, I guess how a rich family that has a corporation is like on the inside. And it's just constant. Like I felt like the entire show was all of these power plays. And like I said, moving pieces, et cetera, et cetera, to like work out a deal, if you will. And it just like, there's just so much that goes into that. And so honestly, so much bullshit that for me, it's like, is the money even worth it? I, if you have to go through stuff like that, like day in, day out, just the drama and the, the ins and outs and the kissing people's asses and whatnot, I just can't really say that billions of, to be a billionaire would even be worth it. Being well, I, honest. I don't think it's so much they're after money because they are, they're already financially set. I mean, being, you know, the children of a, a multi-billion dollar media right. mogul, it's right. the power that they're after. And I think, I mean, the succession is basically like each one of the Roy kids is fighting for their father's affection, which throughout the right. show, he never really gives them what they're looking for. There's right. this underlining, you know, context of they're trying to get their father's affection somehow. And they're successful people, but yet... That's the one thing they lack. Right. And I guess when I say like to be a billionaire, because some people aren't born into money. Some people, you know, like Steve Jobs didn't start out as a billionaire or anything like that. He was a self-made person. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you get to that point, there are certain things. If, if you're, of course, power is a part of it. But to keep that kind of lifestyle and to keep that kind of money, even if you're born into it, there are certain things that you have to do and sacrifice to be able to stay that way. And I guess what I'm saying is, is for me, the power of the money and everything would just not be worth it. It just seems like it's more of a pain in the ass than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like that's like, I mean, for me, like I just watching this, I don't know if I want to be in Logan Roy's position. No, so all, everything that he sacrifices throughout the show. Right. I mean, so many things. Yeah, he doesn't have a relationship with his brother. Right. He's married, been what, married three times? Mm hmm. And he doesn't really seem to have like an emotional connection to his children. He seems to use them as chess pieces. Right. In, in the, the game of succession. Right. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, that's fictional, but. At the same time, they're, it's accurate in the way that, you know, with people who in corporations like, you know, 
Jeff Bezos with Amazon, with Elon Musk, with Tesla, and now Twitter. You know, you you can kind of see similarities in big, rich billionaires like that, like in our world. I mean, like Elon Musk as an example always seems like he's emotionally disconnected from everything. Look at what he did when he went in and decimated Twitter when he bought it. I mean, it, it was just all about him, him, him. And I mean, you can definitely, another good thing about the show, you can take the connection with the show and really apply it to today's billionaires. And there's just so many similarities. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, a lot of the comparisons that I've read and just from what I know about them, I don't follow this family that often, but everything I've heard that this really kind of mirrors the uh, the Murdoch family, the company that owns Fox well, they don't really own Fox, but like Fox News now, it's a uh, a billion billionaire uh, foreigner who Rupert Murdoch is from Australia. Logan Roy was from Scotland. Uh, each one of his kids are trying to vie for his affection to get control of the company eventually. And then you always say, I think there's one child of his that uh, wants nothing to do with the Fox stuff at all. So yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I mean, if you read about the Murdochs, it a lot of what you see on this show kind of echoes what what they're doing, and it, it almost like the the ending of it is kind of like when uh, Fox was broken up and they were sold to Disney. Most of the properties of Fox, like you know, the 20th Century Fox Studios, the uh, all the what well, the the uh, regional sports networks, everything except for he kept Fox News and the Fox station. That was it to control the media. So it's kind of funny that you brought that up. Yeah, I'm, I remember some of when Fox got broken up bit by bit. Now, question, does Rupert Mur- Murdoch always also have four children? I think he has four or five. Oh, okay. So it might even be the same amount of kids. Uh, I, I That you bring that up, I'm curious about that. <laughs> Well, I will uh, go ahead and uh, look that up while we are in discussion. Um, I think we're going to get into the weeds here, and uh, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this. So if you have not watched Succession yet, I advise you to uh, put this on pause, go watch the show, and then come back and finish this because we're going to kind of get a little bit of spoilers here a little bit. Um, so I'll give you the countdown three, two, one. All right. It's spoiler time. The ending, um, for those of you that have watched the show, you do know that, uh, none of the kids ended up with the comp control, of the company that Tom Wom Gans, the estranged husband of, uh, Shiv Roy ends up, uh, in control of, uh, Waystar Royco. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on like, cause I mean, we, we all know that Tom kind of got what he wanted in the end, even though he is essentially going to be, uh, Lucas Matson's puppet basically. And just being the face of what Lucas Matson does, but kind of curious to uh, get your interpretation. Cause it showed each one of the children kind of off doing their thing. Uh, Shiv takes the, car ride and you get the kind of cold uh embrace between Tom and Shiv on the in the car ride after the deal is done. Uh 
Kendall looks absolutely distraught, overlooking. I'm guessing that is the Hudson. Mm-hmm. River. It looks like the Hudson River, yeah. And uh, Roman was at a bar, so uh, kind of curious. What do you what do you think happens? What what do you think happens like down the road for the three kid, the three main kids? Like in a future aspect? Well, I mean, just like okay, I'll give you my thoughts, and you can kind of piggyback off of that. Okay. Um, I think even though Tom was kind of like the winner, mm-hmm. I think out of the three kids, I think Shiv kind of wins because she still has like her family or her immediate family, which is Tom and their soon to be child. uh, Tom is in control of Waystar now. So she kind of in turn still has control of the company, even though like that power dynamic, which is so awesome how that evolved from Shiv basically like telling Tom like, okay, like I want an open marriage. And basically Tom is just like the sick puppy that follows her around and does whatever she says. And now it slowly shifts to where now Shiv is kind of at Tom's whim, you know? Right. Right. Um, But I I think she kind of won out, but I'm just kind of curious to think like, you know, what do you think? Like, do you think that Shiv is like, you know, happy with the outcome or no, I don't think she is. I think she just kind of, you think she kind of settled. She, I think she just really realizes she is backed into a corner and she doesn't have any way out. The buyout happened. Lucas Matson owns the company. Tom is the CEO. Well, I don't know. Did they yeah. name him the CEO? Yeah, he was named the CEO. Or did they just say, like, like I don't recall them saying CEO, but I could have missed those words. Well, but they had the meeting. They said he's the head, and Lucas Matson says he's, you know, with his face or what have you, and that sometimes it won't always be pretty and da-da-da. But I think, <clears throat> excuse me, Shiv is so used to being in control of just everything, <clears throat> and she's used to, to making all the moves well, she's going to have a kid and unless she wants to be by herself without a company and I guess a single mom, what other choice does she have than to stay with Tom and hope that maybe someday she can worm her way back into the company on an active basis. Mm. So what do you think about uh, Roman interpret? You want the the, interpretation of the rest of them as well? Yeah. I just kind of curious what you thought about it. So, Roman, I think, is just content. I think he he almost has a look on his face in that bar like he's just glad that the four seasons are over because everything since episode one to the episode 10, if I'm not mistaken, on season four. Yeah, they went uh, 10. I believe season two is nine because I think it got cut short because of COVID and three mm-hmm. and four were 10 episodes. Okay, got you. I mean, he just seems like everything from the start has been building up to this very moment. And I think he never really wanted control of his father's company. I think he just wanted his father's affection. Yeah. And then I think when his father died, he was just kind of going along for the ride with what Shiv and Kendall were trying to do. I don't think he ever wanted to be a CFO or a CEO or really even the head of that company. I think he just wanted to kind of plop in there from time to time and tell jokes and go home and have his money. And that was it. 
And I think he was just kind of going along with what Shiv and Kendall were doing, maybe to honor his father's memory a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe hoping that from the great beyond that perhaps his father was finally proud of him for trying to keep the company and the family. And I think once he saw that, you know, this is a done deal, we've been outvoted by the board. He realized, you know what? I still have my money, but this nonsense is over. Mm-hmm. So for him, I felt there was a level of satisfaction and just inner peace because that whole show, he was like a hamster on a wheel at time. Well, a lot of the time he was like a hamster on a wheel. And that was really the first moment on the wheel that's like falling apart near the end of the show. Right. Absolutely. For sure. When his dad died and the funeral, he couldn't get up there and speak. He fell apart. Him and Jerry parted ways. And that was, I guess, like a a comfort blanket to him. If you, you will. They had a weird dynamic. They had a very weird dynamic. Yeah. It's like, uh, they kind of had that sexual tension. I know for a fact that you, had mentioned a few times in the earlier uh, episodes that you thought those two were going to bang. Oh, I did for sure. And then it never happened. And then they just stopped talking to one another completely. And then he fired her at the directive of his father. And then his father dies. And I think, you know, maybe she, he thought she was going to come back to the company. She didn't. And, but then she didn't, she didn't. It was kind of seemed to go a lot of different ways, but then they just acted like strangers, which I thought was just very odd. Well, I'm sure but, when you've seen an, enough of somebody's dick, it's just like... <laughs> right, it's whatever, you know, and, and the fact that she was probably in her 50s or 60s and he was maybe in his early 30s, I think that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a motherly quality to him, too. She, she did, to, yeah. She seemed to be a lot more of a mother to him than his own mom. Oh, absolutely. Lady Caroline is like the no. worst human being. Well, she says, she even says in the show that she was never meant to be a mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's very evident. I mean, she she treat, treated her children like they were her acquaintances or somebody she would just see at a party from time to time versus her actual biological children. Mm-hmm. So for Roman, content, inner peace, Kendall is just going to be a hot mess. Kendall, for him, his life is Waystar Roy. I mean, that's his life. I mean, it's very evident. Look at his sacrifice. He gave up with his, you know, his wife. They got divorced. His kids, you can tell that they're scared of him, like how his son acts. It's terrible. And then his daughter's just completely indifferent to him. Mm -hmm. So no relationship with his kids whatsoever. His employees, you can tell, are just scared of him because he's, you know, on drugs, on and off. He is just like barely hanging on by a thread. And then when it gets sold to, when the company rather gets sold to Lucas Matson, and you see him sitting on that park bench, looking out at the Hudson river, he just realizes like, it's almost like what, what else do I have to live for? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's the point of life now? Yeah. Because he essentially has his money, but what's going to be his purpose for getting up every day? You know, he doesn't have like that home family life to go home to. He, he has nothing. His kids don't have a good relationship with him. He's divorced. His relationship with his siblings is shit. I mean, mm. his employees are gone. Um, so, I mean, really, what, el- what else is there? Let me ask you this. Um, 
before you uh, we get to the point of the last episode where basically it comes down to it's a tie on whether to keep the company with Kendall, Roman, Shiv, keep it in the Roy family or sell it to Gojo. And they go into the boardroom, Shiv and Roman and Kendall, and basically there was the the uh, the incident where Kendall essentially helped. He was involved in the waiter's death at the end of the first, the season one mm-hmm. finale. Mm-hmm. Why do you do you think it was because that Shiv decided to vote against Kendall? Because I've been tossing this idea around. I I don't know whether I'm right. But I just wanted to run it by somebody. Do you think it was because that they were afraid that they would end up if they put Kendall in charge? Do you think it was be that she was resistant because she was afraid that the waiter stuff was going to come out against him later, or do you think it was the comment where he? almost sounded like he wasn't telling them the truth that he was involved in that. Cause it goes back to whatever Island they were on with their mom. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're, you know, they're talking about like he basically kind of comes out and says, you know, tells them about stuff with the waiter. Then now he almost sounds like he's kind of making it up or they don't know what to believe. Right. And doesn't right. really like, he's basically, I don't know. It seems kind of heartless about the whole thing. I mean, like what do you think was Shiv's turning point? Well, didn't he say it didn't happen? Yeah. Right, he turned around and said it didn't happen, which we saw obviously that it happened. Yeah. So I don't know. He was just cr- trying to cover his tracks just to make himself look good, but I think Shiv's breaking point was he just kept backtracking during that whole conversation. He, you know, when he had come clean prior to that and explained to both of them what happened, his explanation seemed very genuine. And you could just tell by his his tone and his his wording he was using, his body language, that he had, uh, I'm trying to think of the, he had regret about what happened. And then you're coming back, and then when shit's getting real, all of a sudden it never happened, and he made it up. And then what was it? He said, "Oh, I'm just kidding," or something like it was just so back and forth. I think to Shiv that was just such a big thing to lie about. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to lie about something like that, what are you going to do if you have control of a company? Yeah, you know, are you going to hide you know discrepancies like the whole cruise ship debacle and things like that? Are you going to cover that up? I mean, or or not cover that up, but something similar. Yeah. So I think really that was just the breaking point for her. And I think she also kind of thought he was losing it. He had had the issues, as I mentioned previously, with the drug addiction. His The way that even he treated his employees at times was just very abrasive and at times almost, you know, disrespectful and just talking to them like they were less than human. So, I mean, he just had so many levels of inconsistency versus consistency. I mean, the inconsistency way, the consistency of him is what I'm trying to say that I think, you know, just the culmination of all of that was just it for her. I seem to think that is, I think she's seen that he had lost. 
his like basically any humanity he had left and he was essentially becoming he was becoming Logan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that every, makes sense. Like yeah. Everything was coming to For a sure. head. And it, I, I think that at the end of the day, she just seen that like, you know, I think she just felt he didn't deserve it. Well, and that maybe it reminded her of what her father had did to her or rather had done to her and that he was promising her CEO, but it had to be like their little secret. And then come to find out he never intended to make her CEO. He was telling her that so she would just continue to do his bidding and that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think maybe she was having perhaps a PTSD moment when um, Kendall was, oh, it never happened. I made it up. Oh, oh, just kidding. You know, just the back and forth. I think maybe that was like a flashback for what she had experienced with her father. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that might've had a lot to do with it as well. She, like you were saying, she just, I think maybe saw her father in that moment. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we do have an awesome topic or I guess a, a cap on this succession discussion, but before we get into that, uh, to keep this in spoilerville before we make our, our way out favorite episode of the series. If you had to pick one, what was your favorite episode? And the only reason I'm bringing this in the spoilerville Mm-hmm. Is because my favorite episode of the show contains a huge spoiler. So, man, I don't know if I can really put an episode number on it, but I I like when Shiv and Matson are kind of talking and willing and dealing behind everyone else's back, and it's just like you really see how far she's willing to go to get her way. Um, I want to say that was probably early on in season three. I don't know the exact number because I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> well, I mean, I got to keep so, you on toes. I know you do. And that's fine. But right around the time when the deal was made, he was going to buy it. I think they had settled on a number. And then Matson and Shiv started texting one another phone calls and then they kind of made their little deal. And I think that was probably my, my favorite episode is, is that they were building up to their like inner workings behind everyone else's back. But I, I think I want to say that was some point in season three, but I don't recall an exact episode. I think for me, uh favorite episode is a tie between the uh, episode, the series one finale, which is uh, Shiv and Tom's wedding, okay, uh, that's basically everything comes to the head. You kind of get the, um, basically the foretelling of how Shiv and Tom's marriage is going to go. She basically says, tells him like, on their wedding night she wants an open marriage, right, right. Uh, it has the uh, the Kindle involved in the death of the. Right. The waiter uh, moment, which basically comes back to haunt him at the end of the uh, mm-hmm. show. But in terms of pure acting, I will go with Connor's wedding, which is the third uh, episode of season four. That's when Logan dies. Mm, okay. And I just think that if uh, you want to show people what this show is all about and why they should invest in this show, it should be that episode because you get to see, honestly, I think 
that episode should win Kieran and Culkin, Jeremy Strong, and Sarah Snook. Like, they should win enemies for that episode. They're all absolutely amazing. I think that's like the apex of the show for them in terms of performances. Mm. Just an incredible episode. And just the fact that, I mean, you kind of know he's dead. Right, right. But still, it just, it's such a powerful, like, an emotional, like, just roller coaster of an episode. Just, I mm-hmm. think the three leads just are absolutely on top of their game the entire oh. episode. Yeah. I think another one for me, and again, I, I don't recall the exact episode, but when you're speaking on performances at Logan Roy's funeral, that's episode nine. Nine of, of four. four. Okay. So, Roman just can't go up there and speak. He just can't. He's a mess. He's super emotional. So Kendall gets up there and speaks and he's very powerful in what he says. He, um, does not speak the greatest of his father at times. He's very candid and real about his personal experience. And I have to say that I admire that. I admire that he didn't get up there and just sugarcoat everything and make him out to be like this great person. And Shiv really did the same. I mean, her speech definitely wasn't as long as Kendall's, but you know, she even said it best, you know, goodbye, my world of a father. Like she really said in that moment, how much of a presence he held when he walked outside her into a room. So I, re- I really enjoyed that episode too, as far as Roman didn't speak, but you know, his emotions and his performance and how he was really affected by the fact that he realized his father was never coming back and he was never getting that affection that he longed for. And then between, you know, Kendall's, you could definitely see that they had a, a hate love relationship. And I definitely put the love before the hate. Um, but he definitely emphasized the good and the bad, the mainly bad about his dad. And, and Shiv did the same without, I guess, going more into depth with a speech like what Kendall did. Mm. So, yeah, that's all good stuff. I, I, I think series season four, I think just in terms of the quality of episodes, I think season four has been the best season that they've had. Oh, for sure. I mean, Absolutely. Like, it's like they, everything built up to this point. And I like, I think it was the right call at the end of the day to end it after four seasons. And then that way you could create such a strong finale. Like, you know, what well, the last four episodes are fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I was glad that they, they ended that after season four. So that's going to, it's going to take us out of Spoilerville. Uh, did you enjoy your trip over there to see all the sights? I did. Okay, I did. good. It was nice. All right. Well, you can come back and join us now. Um, as uh, we get ready to wrap this up, um, I decided to we discuss how we were going to format the show. We always like to put together like a list on a lot of these. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the show on a regular basis, but we put together like a top list of whatever. And uh, I thought today, this is actually your idea. Actually, I thought for f- at first we would do episodes, but uh, you said, why don't we do characters, which I thought was fantastic because there's so many good characters in this show. So uh, you and I are going to give 
who we think are the five best characters in succession. Now you can rank these, you have your own criteria. It could be your favorite characters. You could rank these by who is the, the most ruthless, the most conniving, the funniest, however your criteria is, it's totally up to you. But, uh, who are your top five favorite characters or best characters of succession? Uh, just for the viewers and the listeners at home, just uh, five to one, build up a little drama. So you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. You're the guest. It'd be rude of me to go first. Okay, so I thought you had said I couldn't do favorite characters. It had to be best characters. The best characters, favorite characters. Oh, whatever. okay. Because whatever. That's... Well, usually the the five that I think the five that you're going to pick are probably going to be your favorite characters, anyways. Well. Yes and no. Um, so you you said you want me to just do five, four, three, two, one, just boom right well, now. You, you can. Well, yeah, just tell me your your top five, and then and just go. explain explain why you picked. Those okay, five. so my number five was Jerry Kelman, um, who, as we discussed earlier, is Roman Roy's sexual motherly interest. I don't know, however you want to say that. They're weird relationship. But she was the legal counsel for them, right? The head legal counsel yeah. or whatever her official title acting was. Acting CEO at one point. Acting CEO, that's when right. When the whole cruise ship stuff right. went down. She just was so... She reminded me of like a librarian who was the head of the PTO and had like five kids. Like just... But who seemed like she never really lost her cool. You know, she, you never heard her scream per se like Kendall did. But she just had a very calming manner about her, and she was always present and was really Logan Roy's right-hand woman, if you will. And she was just such a powerful presence in the show. I always looked at Jerry as uh, she's like kind of the moral high ground of the show. She was the one that never really got down in the dirt, and she didn't really have like, Outside of maybe the stuff with Kendall, or not Kendall, but Roman, mm-hmm. with, you know, like kind of the masturbating stuff in the hotels. Outside of that, though, I mean, she seemed to be the one that like was kind of like the the upstanding character of the show. Like you, I'm yeah. sure she may have, but like she didn't really have any skeletons in her closet. Never really went above and beyond to try to like hurt somebody, whether it be emotionally, physically, financial, whatever. And it just, she was just so respected by Roman or Kendall, Roman, the whole Roy family that like when they're talking about getting rid of people, like wrote or uh, Logan even said that she was like, no, she, she stays. Right. Right. That's yeah. a good one. Jerry's awesome. I am very fond of oh, that character she's, too. She is phenomenal. I mean, she's a phenomenal actress in this. And I mean, she's always, I mean, obviously she's the lead counsel. She's there to give legal advice, but even when it wasn't legal advice, you know, it was just advice in general. She, you know, like you said, she had the higher moral ground than a lot of them did. So I feel like that's why she was almost like a, um, like a, like a, not a bandaid, but like, um, amuse if you will um i think she was just a good influence and and was a good you know motherly figure to give 
good influence to the Roy family. And I think maybe they felt like better people when she was around Mm. because of just how she was. It also shows too that uh, the actress that plays her, uh, Jay Smith Cameron, I think it's who it is, Mm -hmm. that that character was kind of not featured prominently in season one, but then like she, her role expanded throughout the rest of the series. Right. Right. I honestly didn't think she was going to become as major of a character as she did. And like you said, as, as the seasons went on, she progressed more and more. I would have liked to have seen her and Carolina, like open up a law firm together. Yeah. That would have been cool. Um, my fourth is Tom Wansgans. Is that he? Tom Wamgans. Wamgans. Oh, so the S is silent or Wamsgans. Oh. It's Wamsgans, yeah. Wamsgans. I'm not going to say that again. That I'm going to mess that all up. But I, I just really like Tom, especially towards the end. And I know this isn't the spoiler, so I'm not going to spoil anything. We've already done that. But um, I just liked how he started out so mild mannered, and then as time went on, like he really gave Shiv a run for her money. I mean, pardon the pun, but he just started becoming an asshole to her. And I really enjoyed it. I did too. Because I hated seeing him get walked over like he was a doormat. But then I also didn't like how he treated, you know, Greg and, and things like that. Like he was a fucking asshole to him, especially in the beginning. It's sometimes it's almost like I'm getting, I'm getting disrespected on this side. So I have to in turn, find, I have to find somebody right. to do this too. And I think right. that's why he took, was so willing to take Greg under his wing mm-hmm. is because, okay, I've got a, I'm somebody's punching bag. So I have to have a punching bag in return. Right. Well, and I think he saw himself and Greg, mm. I think he really identified with him. Like, wow, this is how Shiv sees me. So what you're saying, you know, he decided to do it to somebody else. So, but I just, I really enjoy his character. I enjoy how he's, he just becomes so power hungry. You know, he becomes the head of ATN. Is that right? ATN. It's been a little bit since we've seen it. So I'm making sure I have my initials right, but he becomes the the president or the head of ATN. He gets in the boardroom meetings. He gets, you know, on the private jet and, and discussions about selling to Gojo. He gets in with Matson. I mean, you just see these little like pieces. He keeps moving on this chessboard to get to where he wants to be. And at the end, he's like exactly where he wants to be. And I, I love every part of his character. And one of the reasons I don't have Shiv on here is because I think she's a fantastic character, but I just can't, could not get over the fact of how she treated him. It was just absolutely awful. Yeah. And I mean, she treated most people like shit, even her own siblings, but she was just terrible to him when he was nothing but wonderful to her. And, um, and, and I just really enjoyed seeing him like, you know, just treating her like shit. I, because she so deserved it. Yeah. I know. So I know, uh, we said that we had left spoilerville, but I, I think uh, for me, I found the the town so lovely that I think we're just gonna like make a U turn and head back. Okay. I think the most satisfying moment of the entire show was the balcony scene between Shiv and Tom, and they're just letting each other like they're telling each other exactly how they feel, mm-hmm. and then Shiv is you know basically you know said that 
I don't think Tom knows that she's pregnant yet. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, makes the comment that, you know, he doesn't think that she'd be a good mom. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a knife in the heart. <laughs> yeah. I, when but, he, that whole scene where like, she's just giving it to Tom and then Tom is not taking the shit anymore. He's just throwing it right back at her. Right. Uh, that, that was a culmination of four years of crap that Tom put up with. And it was just so satisfying to see him finally like dish it out to her. Oh, I know. And her mouth just like fucking dropped too. Yeah, like, oh, like how, how dare he, you know? Yeah. And I, I loved it. I, I, like I said, she, she played a fantastic character. You know, you love her because you hate her kind of a thing. Cause she's just so awful. Um, but God, I just, I loved it when he gave it, he, he gave it to her. It was, it was great. Um, my third is Greg Hirsch. Cousin Greg. Greg Cousin Bien. Greg. Because I don't know, he's he's just a dollard. He's, you know, he steps in, he's this goofy cousin. You know, his dad is Logan Roy's estranged brother. Well, that's his his uncle, not his and, dad. Or I'm sorry, his his uncle. Um and he just he just really worms his way in. He he starts out from the bottom, now he's here kind of a thing. I mean, you know, at the end of the show, he's wearing suits. He's nobody I don't think it ever says what his title is. He's essentially Tom's bitch. I mean, that's that's his title or his gopher, what have you. Uh-huh. But he starts out not even working for the company, but just like coming to his uncle Logan's birthday party. Mm. and nobody knows who he is. He's like introducing himself to people like he's known everyone in the room for years and years, and then he gets a job, and then Tom takes him under his wing, treats him like shit, but then at the end, like he's moving in with Matson and talking to him and, you know, trying to make moves and things. I mean, at the end of everything, it doesn't look so good for old Greg, or maybe it does. I guess we really don't know. Yeah, well... Uh, they make, uh, they put the, uh, the ode to the, uh, the scene where, uh, Connor and Willa have the, the children come back and they have to put the black stickers on the things that they're claiming for themselves. Right. Right. Out of Logan's old apart penthouse. Right. And Greg or Tom puts the black sticker on Greg's forehead. Yes. So basically he saved him, even though he essentially, Greg tries to fuck them over at the end. Do you yeah, think I, I he's think, really safe, though, or do you just think that they allude to the fact that he might no, be I mean, safe? I mean, I think the, the black sticker was a nod, like... You're Tom good. even says, it, yeah, like, he, he says, I, I basically alludes to, like, yeah, you're you're good. Okay, so he's just going to be his bitch forever then. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, like, hey, you know, like, I'm kind of giving you what you've always wanted. True. It may not be everything but, but you've wanted, but the you... The title or you're, you're getting what you want. You're le- leading this lifestyle. You're part of the, this corporation now. So. Right. And that's definitely what he wants. He wants to definitely be associated with the Roy family for sure. My second is Logan Roy. I mean, duh. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's another one like, like Shiv, you love to hate him, except you love to hate him even more. He's terrible. 
I mean, he's a terrible person. He's terrible to his children. He's terrible to his employees. He's terrible to his board. Seems like he's pretty decent to his wife, but in a sense, oh, no, no, is no, no. he? Well, in the beginning, it seems like he is. Well, Marsh is taking care of him, but yeah, I mean, he right. cheats on her. Right, right. I think well, then, then you find that out, right? You find it out as it goes along. You think they have this wonderful marriage, but then come to find out he's cheating on her. He's shit. She takes care of him. He just, he treats everyone like, you know, like... Everything King Midas tur- touched turned to gold. Everything Logan Roy touched turned to shit. I mean, because of, he was just a waste of flesh. Mm-hmm. He was just all about his entire being was his company. I think that just speaks to how good uh, Brian Cox is in this role. Because in terms of being... Uh, written like uh, Logan Roy's character is kind of like in terms of like getting to know him. Mm-hmm. The only time you really get to know him as a person is, you know, like these little moments like uh Ewan's eulogy before he basically just rips into him and tells everybody at his funeral, how, how horrible of a person he is, but he tells a little anecdote about them in world war two and they're in the boat and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of get these little, like little snippets of what he was like as a human being, but he's kind of like the performance would be very one note, but I think Brian Cox is just so good. Mm -hmm. He just, I thought for sure when he passed away and like I said, I'm just going to put a note, like something at the opening, like this is just going to be a spoiler episode. So just don't listen to it. He watched the show. (laughs) Because I think we really like it here in Spoilerville that they put us up, they invited us back. They put us in a nice hotel. We got room service comp to us. Yeah, but you don't want to tell people not to listen to it. I mean, you obviously, the point of a podcast is to get listens. Well, nobody listens to the show anyways. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just speaks to how great Brian Cox is. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he passed away, like I was expecting, like, okay, there's a chance this show is going to go downhill for the last few episodes because you don't have that commanding presence. Right. He's kind of like the, the glue that like he well Shiv says like her world of a father and like he was Logan Roy was the epicenter of the show. Every everybody's actions revolved around him. Right. Like now what Absolutely. happens now? Exactly. Logan was great, even though he's like a horrible, horrible human. Oh, being. yeah. The that's character's what I fantastic. Said. You, you just you love to hate him even more mm. because you honestly you really don't even know what he's going to say or do next. Mm. It's it's. He's just a total whirlwind of a person. And, you know, it, as much as I hate to say it, you also, I guess, sit on the edge of your seat wondering what really shitty thing he's going to do next. How is he going to make the next action shittier than the last? It's almost like it's a prize he's trying to win, and he's just trying to one-up himself every time. So, yeah, he, I mean, he was horrible, but I mean, fantastic character. Then of course my number one is Roman Roy. I mean, mm. Karen Calkin is, I have to say probably as good of, or a better actor than his brother, Macaulay Calkin. He oh, I just don't, I don't, so good. Um, I'd never really seen him in anything like show wise or, you know, even the, the last movie I even really remember him being in was, I think, Home Alone. 
Yeah, he's fuller of the bed. Right. And I just had no idea he was that great of an actor. Mm-hmm. But he was phenomenal. I mean, he was just like kooky. He, you just look at this dude and like, he's going to be a CFO or a CEO. You know, it, it was laughable in the beginning, but then as time went on, he actually seemed to get more serious. But I, I loved that he had that like rich boy. I don't give a fuck. I can do whatever I want kind of attitude. And he always had like just the funniest, you know, like disposition and jokes and whatnot. And I think that's one of the things that anything going on, like he could always bring laughter to the room with, some kind of a joke or a snarky comment. So I think he, I think the, the Roman character is responsible for the funniest moment of the entire show, which that's another thing that we didn't really go into. This show is like, doesn't get a, I don't think it gets quite enough credit for being like, it's actually has really funny moments in it. Mm-hmm. It's got a very dark sense of humor to it that oh, I think sure. kind of adds another layer to it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Roman is responsible for the most hilarious moment of the entire show is when he sends a dick pic to Jerry, but it doesn't go to Jerry. It ends up going to his dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and his yeah. dad's reaction, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. He, his dad was beside himself. You could just tell. Yeah, he. you could, you could tell Roman um, was not going to let that get you know, his dad wasn't going to let him live that down essentially. And (laughs) that was, that was hilarious. And it was in a board meeting, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was the worst part of it all. Like, you know, Logan's thinking it's somebody, I don't know, he works with or whatnot, like updating him on stock and he turns it over and it's his son's dick. Like what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) So that's my list. Awesome list. Thank you. Um, yours is very similar to mine. Um, mm-hmm. I had uh, Logan at five. Okay. I had Jerry at four. Okay. I had Roman at three. I have Kendall at two. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, Tom at number one. Yeah, I um, figured you were going to do him at number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think won't go into uh, too much, but I did have a fifth spot was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to kind of go over my honorable mention since we kind of had a list similar. There's no point rehashing everything. Okay. Um, Connor Roy almost made the cut. Which, like number five? Yeah, he would have been number five. Okay. Uh, he's not featured nearly as much as the other three siblings, but mm-hmm. I think they always did a really good job of like utilizing him and not giving you too much of him. I can see that. And he's not yeah. – like, he's – He's like the lighthearted brother of the four. Mm-hmm, for sure. He's not really power hungry. Nah, um, he's just living. Just- plus, I've always been a huge fan of Alan Ruck. Uh, those of you that uh, are listening uh, might know him best as Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was also the nervous tourist in the bus on speed. Not He wasn't on the drug speed, in the movie speed. Um but yeah, it just they seemed like he was always like kind of, you know, you got just enough of him to like add a lot of color to a scene, but it was never overkill. And sometimes he, like he kind of had a bit of a, 
the Tom in him too, not nearly as bad, but like he's trying to fight for the affection of the woman that he loves and Willa, right. Who's a former prostitute. And it's not like she really wants to be with, with him, like marry him. She kind of is a little, you know, resistant to marry him at first. But then I think the allure of being married to someone as powerful as a member of the Roy family is, is very appealing to her and uh I mean he's actually he's the one brother that kind of wins in the end really. Yeah, I mean he they move into that big They get the apartment. Um if Mankin has become uh if which they never really allude to, but if Mankin is named the like wins the presidential election, mm-hmm. there's a good chance he's probably going to have a spot in his government. Somewhere, whether it's like an ambassadorship or whatever, uh, he's with Willa. So I mean, he kind of is the only member of the family that really gets the happy ending, right? And he but, doesn't have to work. I mean, he's still rich. He doesn't have to really be involved in the company. I don't even know if he had a spot on the board, did he? I think he was one of the controlling. I think he had controlling share. Yeah, he had controlling shares, but basically, he just always voted. Along with everybody else. That's right. That's right. He was in the um, boardroom in the earlier part of the the seasons. That's right. Um, I would have put Shiv in my top five, Mm -hmm. but I think what cost her a spot in my top five is the boneheaded move in episode. Yeah, it's episode eight. It's the election night episode where she pretends to make the phone call. Oh, and then they basically to, uh, Oh, who's the, uh, the democratic candidate. And then like, turns out she never called. Yes. Yeah. And like all it took was Kendall going out to make the phone call to realize it. Right. And for me as someone like I, I've believed, or I had the belief leading up to the episode that Shiv was probably the brightest of the Lo- the Logan's kids. I would agree with that. Yeah. And then to do something that's stupid. Right. But uh, it's not a reflection on uh, Sarah Snook's performance. I think she's fantastic. As Shiv, uh, it's, she's like the one that she was always kind of on the roller coaster that like, okay, you kind of feel for her. You're kind of rooting for her for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then like you said earlier, like, you know, the way she treats Tom, it's like, yeah, okay, it's I just. Okay, yeah, I I, I want to like you, but you're treating Tom like shit. Right, you absolutely and Tom's awesome. Walks, so. Yeah, Tom is awesome. Um, <clears throat> and I really want a Tom and Greg spinoff series. I would totally watch that. Yeah. For dis- sure. Yeah, just the disgusting brothers right, right. after the Righteous right, right, Gemstones. Right, right. Yep, I I would watch it. Um, But uh, we didn't really go into Kendall because he wasn't on your list. Uh, if Tom wasn't such a... And Matthew McFadden, if he wasn't so damn charming as Tom, mm-hmm. Kendall would have easily been my number one. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the absolute roller coaster that Jeremy Strong takes you, the audience, on throughout the entire run mm-hmm. of the show. I, I, I know you have not watched The Sopranos. I have not. Which so, uh, I I, maybe maybe we'll visit the, that down the road and come back and recap that for everybody. Maybe we'll just turn this into a recurring episode. Like Russ introduces Jen to old prestige TV shows. (laughs) Hey, you know, I'm down for anything. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kendall Roy is probably when you look back in this, like 10 years from now, I think 
Kendall Roy is probably going to be on par with uh, James Gandolfini's Tony Soprano is like the best character from an HBO series. It just, it, he made it like you said, he's kind of a despicable human being, which he has, he's shown, but then like, you know, it's the end of season one, one, he went from having, he was in the catbird seat. He was going to take over waste, you know, waste our Royco gets pulled out from under him. Uh, then he gets hooked on drugs again, ends up being responsible for that waiter's death. And it looks like he spends the better half of season two trying to get over that. And he just can't shake it. And then he ends up becoming basically like his dad's yes, man, continuing his drug habit. And he, like you touched on earlier, he loses his, fa- eventually loses his family. Right. The only thing he has left is he wants to come back and take over Waystar mm-hmm. and that gets pulled out from under him. I just think Jeremy Strong is incredible. I know there's some stories out there where, uh, he goes full method for this, and sometimes he rubbed some of the cast members the wrong way. If you get a chance, read it. Like, there's stories about uh, his method acting. It just he kind of goes over the top with some of it. Just he sinks himself so much into that. Does that key. mean he starts to act like that even outside basically? Of the yeah, show? he's he's not taking like yeah, it's just method acting. It's like okay, like I'm embody, embodying Kendall Roy. And he becomes four seven. Yeah, yeah. There's no shut off switch. And wow. It, it, I know there's articles where it kind of rubbed other cast members the wrong way, but yeah, just the arc and he just, mm. you know, never, he, you believe every single minute of, of him as Kendall Roy, like he never has a bad moment. Well, maybe with the exception that L to the OG rap, it that was terrible. Me. That was pretty bad. But I mean, it was it was great at the same time because yeah. it's like you just see just fucking rich people, you know? And like that's being actually how I was going people. to introduce you on the show at first was my L to the OG. Oh my god! But I decided not to. Yeah, I'm good on that. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think Jeremy Strong's incredible, uh, and you kind of want to feel bad for him but then again you don't because at the end of the day i mean everything that that happened and it just it comes off as kind of like an entitled brat at sometimes but then like you feel for him because he shows humanity where he feels legitimately guilty about killing that that waiter and yeah yeah but then once he once he figured out that he was going to be get be able to get away with it yeah, he had to become his dad's yes man. He didn't seem like he had so much remorse. But I agree. I mean, I he wasn't in the top five for me. I love his character, just not as much as what I love the top five that I named. But yeah, he's phenomenal. Like what you were saying, he's just like a roller coaster. He's good. He's bad. He's, you know, it's just like constant up and down. He definitely takes you on a thrill ride for sure. Mm. Plus, I mean, he loves the party. That's true. He does love to party. Absolutely. And he loves him some Coke and meth. Yeah. Together at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, awesome hang. Thanks for joining me on the couch today. Sure. Uh, you got anything, uh, any last parting thoughts for everyone before we wrap this up? Well, if you made it this far and you haven't seen the show and you've gotten everything spoiled, but you still want to see it, go check it out. It's pretty great. Yep. Uh, you can watch it on 
formerly HBO Max, now just called Max. Um, I have seen some memes floating around on the internet recently where uh, it's uh, HBO is cut off of Max, it's just called Max, and they're uh, begging Peacock. But you're uh, next. Yeah. The, your but, next uh, meme. Yeah. Yeah. I've been throwing around calling uh, Peacock the cock for a while now. You have, which uh, you should get royalties for that if they decide well, I can't to change really, it. I can't get really get royalties. I, I stole it from Pat McAfee. Oh well, so he should get royalties if mm, anything. Gotcha. But okay. I'm keeping it alive. Gotcha. Hey, I like it. All right. Well, Ed, thanks for uh, listening, gang. Uh, I would probably advise that you shouldn't listen to this episode until you've seen Succession. Um, but yeah, definitely go check it out. It's on Max right now. You can get all four seasons. I guarantee once you get to season one, episode six, you're pretty much going to be locked in and it's you're not going to be able to get enough. As a matter of fact, uh, producer Adam recently uh, got on the succession train and is in, currently in the process of getting through it. He absolutely loves it too. So maybe uh, next time he's on, I'll get his thoughts on it, see what he thinks of the show so far. But uh, thanks a lot for uh, listening uh, to us ramble on for uh, a good hour. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. And uh, I do post on TikTok. Check out the show description to find all the links to those so you can interact with us. Shoot me an email at couchbrotatopodcast at gmail.com. I don't know, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts, uh, what you like about the show, what you hate about the show. Uh, you can tell me that I need to quit. Uh, give me show ideas, uh, some thoughts you may have on what you hear today. I welcome them all. So shoot me an email, interact with us on the old socials. And if you do like what you hear today, if you would be so kind, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, if you write me one, that'd be amazing. But, uh, Leave us a five-star review if you uh, like what you heard. You can also review podcasts on Spotify now, too, which is a pretty cool feature. So until next week, we bid you all adieu.